Hello, what is happening and welcome to the newest edition of the Anfield Talk podcast. I'm your host Paddy and I'm joined today by just Robson because Mike has decided to not join us in the end. <laughs> I met you right. Yeah, not bad mate. I think we all need a little bit of a cathartic just hour of talking after the travesty that was yesterday. Yeah, but, um, yeah before before we move on to you know the thoughts and feelings about FSG and transfers and whatnot, look, Liverpool actually did play a game of football at the weekend. Uh, of course. Yeah, Drew obviously won one against Chelsea. You know, we we all pretty much predicted either a, a draw or a narrow win. Um, I didn't expect Chelsea to be as tough as they were, especially after going down to ten men. Uh, and I also mentioned last week Chelsea are my favourite for the titles for the mm-hmm. title, and I think Saturday proved proved me right to a certain degree. Yeah. Oh, definitely. I think they seem so much more. Um coercive as a team more in City I feel um, and I don't know like I, I City have had a couple of big wins but they obviously had that poor start to the season and then Chelsea obviously came to Anfield on Saturday and you know I didn't quite know what to think um, I, hadn't, I hadn't seen them so far this season because they weren't on telly the first weekend of the season for some reason um, you know European champions and not making it on the telly proves that you know they're, uh, they're not exactly as big of a club as they sometimes make out they are <laughs> um, but but yeah, so this is my first sort of taste of them this season, and you know they're they're just absolutely solid. Two shells come in, prove me wrong. Um, I seen a couple of Chelsea fans like in a tweet that I'd put out um, when he took over, saying he's a bigger fraud than Oigana Solskjaer. Yep, I was hmm. I was I was wrong. Um, Age well. Yeah, it hasn't it hasn't exactly aged brilliantly. Um, but yeah, you know the the came. I think them going down to ten men benefited them in the fact that. Um, the game was pretty open before that, despite us being one 0 down. It was Kent, their goal was a, pretty much against the run of play, and uh, then defensively they just got a shut up shop and put uh, ten men behind the ball, and we struggled struggled to break that down. But they're such a good team, and um, defensively anyway, when they when their only um, sort of game plan is to defend. It is going to be hard to score, so I don't know if we can look too much into that result. But it is annoying considering they went down at ten men, and we it would have been good to get um, maximum points out of the first three games before the international break. Yeah, I I totally agree. Obviously, um, it was against someone who played the goal. We'll, we'll get to that in a bit, but we started really, really well. I, mm. I thought uh, the atmosphere was, you know, something I've missed since both at home. It, like, the atmosphere was unbelievable. I, I put a tweet out at half time saying I just felt like I played half football. It was like <laughs> you just, everyone was, it was so involved and so, you know, so you go there to be behind the team, but it's because it was Chelsea and because of the the all, the, obviously the old stuff that went on just before the break. Yeah, yeah. Um, everyone was a bit, you know, off off the head a bit, but a lad who, who wasn't as much off his head was Harvey Elliott and he started oh. again. Um, you know, I don't think many people predicted him to start this game, but I, I certainly didn't. So, you know, it's a massive show of faith in the manager, and he actually went really, really close uh, with, yeah. with a shot outside the box, which I thought was just creeping into the front post. But you know, for a lad to to have come in and now made three Premier League appearances, you know, they, they, there's nothing more you can really ask for him at the moment. No, he's he's come in and he's had all he's got all the pressure in the world on him. You know, being um... Wijnaldum's replacement, as it's been said, uh, like a new signing. I'm sure we'll get on to that later. But um, yeah, I mean, all the pressure in the world on him, and he's he's thriving. He's literally thriving. And you know, the time will come where he has he doesn't have a great game or something like that. We just need to remember, like, not to get on his back because it happens. 
Um, you know, Curtis Jones is a prime example of that. He first came in, everyone was pretty pretty excited by him, and then he had a couple of bad games, and everyone was on his back. And it's pretty much written him off by now, to be honest. Um, <laughs> just uh, be interesting to see when he comes back into the fold. But uh, but yeah, Harvey Elliott was just. He just looks so confident. He kind of reminds me of, um, I was saying it on Saturday, he reminds me of when Coutinho first came into the team. Um, and a bit like Sterling as well, where they're just really, really exciting to watch. They haven't really had as much coaching as the rest of the players. And it, in a way, it benefits them because they're not fully integrated into the system. And it means they can, uh, you know, play a bit more freely and try um, try more risky um Things really like, like you've seen him take that shot from outside the box nine times out of ten. One of uh, our midfielders, like a club midfielder, passes that ball off. Uh, we don't intend to see them shoot often from outside the box, but he, you know, he had a crack and now he, now he paid off. And I've just been so, so impressive. But at the same time, I'm, I'm not, it hasn't surprised me either because we've seen how good he was for Blackburn. He looked, uh, massively out of the championship, like out of the league, really. Um, he really, really stood out last season. And uh, so he's, you know, he's made the step up, and it, you you wouldn't think that um, that he'd only played three Premier League games. You'd think he was a he was a seasoned veteran. I think um, someone said he looked like he played a hundred Premier League games. I can't remember which guy pundit it was. It might have been Neville. Um, yeah, and I think he's right. My 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 one criticism of him, if it's even a criticism at this point, is that he's very sometimes. I I think he can be a bit tunnel vision. Like yeah. he he doesn't usually have his head on the swivel, which is obviously, you know, something that comes with time. Like, he is yeah. literally a child in, in the context of the football. So, hopefully, and I think that was a big thing that cost us in the second half, which we'll, we'll obviously mm-hmm. get to in a bit. He was out on the right with Salah. We needed someone to really get the head up and really spray passes, but Elliot was giving it back to Salah a lot, yeah. um, which didn't help us, but we'll get on to that in a bit. Um, two other fellas who, who started... Um, John Henderson and Andy Robertson. Obviously, Hendo signed a new deal yesterday, or probably about five weeks ago, and he saved until <laughs> yesterday to to get PR. But um, now Henderson, I understand coming in. Yeah. Robertson, I didn't, and yeah, too, yeah. I was very much proven right by the fact I thought Andy Robertson was really poor. Very, yeah. Um, both of them played played a very similar game in terms of they felt like they kept giving the ball away. Uh, that just the decision making seemed off, which comes with when you're not fully match fit. Um, Robertson, especially, I know uh, Costas has been fantastic these first um, couple of games of the season. Absolutely fantastic, and to take him out, I think, is a bit of a bit of a kick in the teeth for him. Um, I don't think it's great man management from Klopp to do that, especially considering Robertson just didn't look fit. And I can understand, um, you know, Costas's is, uh, is is mindset. Uh, sort of seems to drift and it comes to the end of the game. But if that's the case, bring Robertson on for the last uh, 30 minutes. Um, don't start him and then have to bring him off. It, I think that should have been swapped. And Henderson just, I don't know what it was about him. He just didn't, he wasn't his, his usual self. He was kind of, uh, I wouldn't say ruining like forward moves, but just everything seemed to just fall apart when it, when it came to him. And it was just, it was so noticeable. That was the thing I would say. Like, it was so noticeable that he was the person that was um, kind of ruining their moves and things like that. Um, I mean, yes. I, I, could could you tell that in the ground as well? Cause, oh, mean, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Speaking of, of ruining moves, he had probably Liverpool's best chance of the game. Oh, um, very early doors. Obviously, Trent pings this, you know, typical Trent pass. And oh, you, yeah, Hendo. Sorry, yeah. Anyone else but him in that situation, mm, yeah, even yeah, on his yeah. right foot, I probably don't trust him to put that away. Anyone but him. And 
Yeah. All you've got to do is hit the target. Uh-huh. Like, uh-huh. I had to show that I had to do. And the, the uh, Robertson was really noticeable for me in the second half because I was sitting towards the left. Where, yeah. Uh, behind, so I was in the Attenfield Road up, watching behind him. The amount of times Andy Robertson came inside instead of choosing to attack the line and get a ball into the box was ridiculous at, at yeah. points. Uh, there was loads of times where he could have burst down the line. I mean, go, go inside, fine. But go further down the line and do it. Don't do it near the halfway line because you're just going to get the ball back anyway off Henderson, who I think lasted 25 minutes too long. Yeah. Obviously, I think the Klopp subs were... Yeah, I think we all... They were the right changes. Yeah, they were just the wrong time. half an hour too late each. Yeah, we all thought that. I think, uh, I mean, obviously, we, we were talking on the chat about it afterwards and all of us were saying the exact same things. I think Twitter was pretty much the same as well. Klopp substitutions were too late. We probably shouldn't have started Robertson. Um, Henderson looked poor. And then what I thought you were referring to before, uh, Sadio. Sadio giving oh, the ball away, like, yeah. was the... Uh, like, uh, Henderson and Robertson, I kind of give a bit more slack because, one, you can tell they're not fit and they're both just two, two of my favourite players. I've got a bit of a bias uh, going towards it there. But, um, you know, Sadio, again, like, it's so frustrating to watch because we know how good of a player I, I, I say, you say is or, or was. was. Yeah, he was. Um and just this his form over the past, I don't know, twelve months now, has just since Chelsea last season, uh, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, after he had a great performance, and I think he got COVID after that. So we'll, whether that's a um, contributing factor, it's, well, I don't think we'll really ever know. But it's uh, he was he was dreadful. I thought he was. To be honest, I thought he was probably worse last weekend. But he got his goal, so you can kind of let him off. Um, but the, but he was again. I, I think someone put a stat in somewhere of, of how many times he gave the ball away from his the amount of touches he has, and it was like one in one in every three uh, times he touched the ball, he ended up giving the ball away. Um, I think it was the gist of the stat, and it's just which is this is why we needed to to get reinforcements in to put a bit of pressure on him, and if he does start making uh, their mistakes and keep putting in these performances, we can swap them out and bring someone else in. Um, but now with uh, the Firmino injury, where we don't know how long it's going to be, but it looks like it's going to be a couple of months. Uh, we're now in a really, really awkward position where we're going to either have to bring in Origi, Chamberlain, no, Minamino to to put any pressure on him, which isn't going to happen. Um, it's one of them frustrating points, which I'm sure we'll get onto when we talk a bit more about uh, transfers and FSG in a bit. Yeah, well, obviously. Um... Firmino does go off, I think, which that probably hinders a lot of our second half plans, regardless, because you know you don't want to bring Jota on really. Yeah, if, course, if you're yeah. going to bring him on, which you, you're going to, you don't want to bring him on. I think it was like forty odd minutes, something around forty minute mark. You want to bring him on, you know, sixty five, seventy. It's a bit of a, a bit of a late late impact, but obviously that wasn't meant to be. I think that was well after Chelsea went it went ahead. Listen, I, I was down the other end of the ground, so mm. at first I thought either. It's Allison not moving his feet quick enough, or it's just poor marking. Yeah. But obviously, you watch it back and you're like, yeah, fair, yeah. absolutely fair enough. It, it, it's, it's just it's a worldy header. Yeah. It's literally just one of them goals. Like like football, you, you can see goals. That's what like that's what happens in football. And I think a lot of the time, especially with sort of football Twitter and things like that, you, people constantly try to find a scapegoat or find the reason why a goal is being scored. Listen, like goals, goals get scored. Sometimes people just score, and it's like no one's fault really. They just scored a good goal, and that's basically what it was then. I mean, I think I, I was the same when I first seen it. I was like, oh, that's got that's Ali's fault. He's be, he can't be lobbed there, but it's just a freak header. Really, I think he means it. He's like he's I tried he it audaciously, well. 
but um, uh, but it's one of them where that comes off like uh, like very very rarely. Like nine times out of ten, that goes goes over the bar, hits the bar, Allison saves it. Uh, it's just it just come off perfectly and fair play to him. But what I, what I will say is I bet that guy who um, took a picture with him on the docks in the morning felt like a right knob when that goes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, I, don't, I don't get that, mate. Like, no, me either. I as was much like, as you're uh, fans uh, of football, yeah. I get that you're fans of football, but come on, like yeah. it, it's Chelsea. It's a big rival. It's not like it's Burnley or so you can get a picture of James Tarkowski or something. Yeah. It's, <laughs> yeah. like, it's like Chelsea, man. Come on. Yeah. But obviously... Um, a fellow who probably wouldn't have been too happy with that goal going in as much as anyone was Virgil van Dijk and, yeah. uh, and Joe Matip. Uh, I thought they were absolutely brilliant. Again, um, as always. I, as always, you know, it was built up to be Lukaku versus van Dijk. Uh, Lukaku won one battle against them in the yeah. first half when he put them on yeah. his ass. That was it. It was, uh, it was very evident from watching it um, on TV how... He just wasn't going to get a sniff for the entire ninety. Uh, I think there was one point the ball came towards the half, the halfway line, and Lukaku tried to do that that turn thing that we you know that video where he's with Carroll yeah, and, yeah. and just Virgil obviously just didn't fall for it, and he just and I think he ended up on his ass on the halfway line, and I, I was just I was turning on my mate in the pub, and I was like, oh, oh my god, <laughs> like it's not getting a sniff today. Like it, honestly, Virgil is the best centre half I've ever seen play football. I just don't. Uh, I'm, it's, it's like reading of the game and reading of the top forwards in the world is it's just absolutely incredible. And 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 you know what? In saying that, so is so is Matt. If if that lad could stay fit, he'd be the second best defender in the world. Honestly, yeah, see, what, one of the moments of the game was when Lukaku was trying to beat into a ball down the left, mm-hmm. and literally Joel Matip bodies him. Like he oh, just bodies him, and Matty's everyone just... went mental. I think like a lot of us were calling for his head at the end of last season and saying, "Oh, get rid of him, get rid of him." He's too injury prone. But then you watch performances like that, and it's like you can't get rid of him. However much money someone would come in for him, would let him go with him being injury prone, wouldn't be enough to justify like because of how good of a defender he is. Um, and it's like the mad thing is like we've talked about and um, we will talk about depth and squad depth and things like that. Whereas going forward, it's not brilliant. And I know obviously last season we've had such we had such problems at centre half, but it was like such a such a kind of freak event to lose all of those centre halves at once. Our our centre half depth is actually really really good. Like it's just we were just really unfortunate last season, um, especially now we've added Kanate uh, as well. Like, you, like Joel Gomez is just sat on the bench, probably England's best centre half. Um, and it's just like I'm looking forward to seeing them two play as well. Yeah, which will uh, probably be the Carrow Road. Again, three weeks, three weeks today. Yeah. yeah. Um, one of them might even get run out against AC Milan. Yeah, you know, that's that's two weeks today, I think, as well. So, right, so we get on to this absolute nonsense of the penalty incident. And okay, so one, firstly, Joel Matip really should score. Yeah, uh, he's literally on the goal line and he hits the he bar. Hits the bar. Yeah. So if he can just score that, all this gets thrown out the window. But he doesn't. So Marley pokes it towards goal. It hits Reese James's knee. The spin off his knee is still taking it into the goal. Yeah, and he then hooks it away with his hand. Mm-hmm. Now, if if you want to try to explain to me how that's not a red card, then please do. But <laughs> no, no, I, I can't um, because it's that stupid rule where it's like it hits off another part of your body um, and then hits and hits your arm. It's not a penalty, but this is where I think as much as referees get criticism and uh, <laughs> there's a lot hell. of that on Saturday. Um, I think this is where common sense has come into play. 
and it's gone right. It has hit a body part and then hit his arm, but he's kind of thrown his arm towards the ball a little bit. And he's tried to make it look like as if he's not doing it, but you can totally tell he's kind of hooked the ball away. And also, like, so say that happens anywhere else in the box or even anywhere else on the pitch or in the build up to a goal, I don't think it gets given. But for the pure fact that if he doesn't, if that ball doesn't touch his arm, it's in the net and it's an, it's not stopping a goal scoring opportunity. Yeah, it's, it's stopping, stopping a goal. actual goal. Um, and I think that's like the difference. And I think that's where common sense came into play. And that's why the red card was given. And obviously that's why we've got the penalty. I don't know about you, but every time Salah steps over a penalty, I think he's going to miss it. And every single time he proves me wrong. <laughs> like, no, no, see, that's the that thing. He's, he's scored too many for me to think that now. Yeah. The, the last one I think he missed, I mean, th- this could very much be wrong, was Huddersfield at home. Yeah. Like 2017. For Liverpool, I can't remember him missing a penalty since then. I can't remember him ever missing a penalty. I can't even remember that. I can't remember him ever missing a penalty for Liverpool because he scored so many crucial ones. That I just uh, like there's going to be a point where he's going to miss one. I, like there, there will be, I'm sure. But I just hope it comes in a game, not in that sort of situation, not in a Champions League final, not in a uh, situation where it's half time against Chelsea. Just a game where we're like three 0 up and we get a penalty and he's still on the pitch. Oh yeah, take take it for a for a hat trick or something, and then and then oh he's missed it. It won't be the end of the world. Yeah, he's he's almost got the Gerard thing about him now on penalties. Yeah. Whenever Steven Gerrard took a penalty, you never ever ever expect him to miss. Yeah, like if he missed, unless, unless Roy Hodgson's unless dropped unless on the away in 2010, <laughs> um, it was like you know he's 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 going to score. I think Salah's pretty much the same now, yeah. and obviously we've got Fabinho in there as well, who you know, has a pretty spotless yeah. record as as well himself, and he never ever gets a sniff. Yeah, one last thing about that as well, right? Uh, when you look at most of our penalty takers. In, in the Premier League or what you see around Europe and stuff like that. Salah, I'm so glad Salah is ours for the one reason. He he does exactly what I would do if I got a penalty. You just run up the ball as fast as you can, smash it as hard as you can, keep, try and keep it low. Whereas we don't have, like, that. honestly, the one-step penalty. Right, you purposely have a one-step penalty when you play five-a-side because it's hard to score. Why footballers decide that's the way they want to do it? And, and the, the, anyone who's not running from either the edge of the box or outside the box to take that penalty, they're more likely to miss, in my opinion. Just run up and smash it. You don't have to take a one step or stop right before the, you're about to hit the ball and let the keeper see which way you're going to take it. It does my head in. It's like it's like uh, Jorginho, right? And all the keepers fall for it, apart from Allison. Allison's only one that to be fair. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Um, but it's like it's so obvious what he's going to do because he does it every single time. Like, just just watch one t- and take two or three penalties and then you'll be like, okay, I know what he's going to do now. Yeah, the, the best thing that Salah does, because obviously Sky Sports have that like graphic of penalties. Yeah, yeah. He never ever goes one side. He, yeah, he, you don't know which way he's going to go. He, yeah. he goes both sides. He doesn't have that one in his locker where he's like, you, you know he's going to go that way because that's what he does. And it's like, it's like Harry Kane loves the top left. Yeah, yeah. Like he loves that. And obviously, no goal if he's going to save a penalty in the top left. That's just not happening. But Salah, he totally eliminates goalkeepers saving his penalties. This might yeah. come back. To, this probably will come back to me. Probably. Last, but but, uh, but, but he's, yeah, got that, he um, he's got that thing where he hits it so hard that even if the keeper gets a hand to it, it's either going to possibly still go in and go through their uh, hands. Or it's that they haven't got the time to parry it out to where they want it to go. If it hits them, it could it possibly just come straight back out to them and you, you could put it in. Um, yeah, the, the one that reminds me of that is um, Arsenal at home uh, mm. when we beat them 5-1. Yeah. And he absolutely fucking smashed it down the middle and Leno, like, he can't get his arm up in time. Yeah. He, he just blasted it and, as you say, um, bury, he just buries penalties, doesn't he? Um, yeah, so everyone's, 
a bit aggy at half time, but especially from Chelsea because they've just been charged, haven't they, for yeah. failing to control players. And rightly so, by the way, because that Adela Quetta doesn't stop fucking moaning. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. yeah. Mendy gets booked for literally karate kicking John Henson in, in the shin. <laughs> uh, Rudiger is a prick as well for trying to. You know, they just lose their head too, and I feel like that's something that might come back to bite them in their arse later on the season. I mean, they've, they're now a squad that's they've won a Champions League. It's uh, they're they're getting there to be like a a good squad, but but that side of them kind of some people would say it's positive to be fair. Uh, some people like that kind of edge to your squad, but just moaning on like that and getting getting ag- aggy for no reason, kind of it, it. I always think it reflects badly on them, and it makes like the other team look like they've got got in their heads. Yeah, um, I, I think we, I think we did. I think yeah, we rattled them. The I think. Yeah. Thing. In in the second half, you know, it was very much like Liverpool last season. Mm. For like the first ten minutes, we were sound. We, yeah. uh, first ten minutes, like, like yeah, we're going to win this game because we were playing fast, we were playing nice football, and we were playing it wide. But after that, it was, oh shit, we've run out of ideas here. Let's That's just either it, shoot yeah. from range or swing it into the box. And I was yeah, like, it's, it's just not going to work, is it? it? It just got to that point when we needed subs and we needed them earlier, but we haven't got any great options off the bench that could like change. It's not that we haven't like, like for example, Thiago's on the bench. He's a great like to have a Thiago on the bench is a is a privilege, but he's not the kind of player you need in that situation. Really, he's more to shear it up like he did uh, like when he came on at halftime against Chelsea last season, and. That that was it. Like he was just there, literally, to pass the ball about. Um, whereas we we this is a much much more difficult Chelsea team to come up against. It's it's not. It, I just didn't think that game was more, like what was he really going to do? It was a bit hard to expect him to come in and change that, especially when he got subbed on. Um, Jota was that man. He got brought on in the first half, and then after that, well, well we brought Simakas on. So. <laughs> this is why we needed depth in the transfer window. Another option. We needed that one more option up front, where someone who we can rely on, someone who's not um, the same shit what we've had the, for the past two seasons up front of the bench. Yeah, the the thing I have about the second half is you've got Salah literally hugging the right touchline for about half an hour. Like, yeah, he he needed to be more central, mm-hmm. and with, with Elliot out there as well, that's two players who. Uh, pretty much out of the game at that point because to make something happen from there is it's it's ridiculously hard to do. You've got Van Dyke having shots from thirty yards, which makes forces Mendy into a good save. To be fair, Henderson nearly scores the best goal I've ever seen, uh-huh. uh, whipping it into the top corner. You know we we come close, but again the the only real clear cut chance we had was Hendo's in the first half or yeah. Salah's in the second uh-huh. when it's on his right foot and he actually really should be scoring. Yeah, I mean, yeah, uh, yeah. I guess he has one for you. So now that we haven't really, we're going to be down to our three main attackers and then the the rest, which I'm not really going to count. Uh, do you think we see um, Elliot being pushed further forward and someone else coming into the midfield? Well, I think that is the only it's, option. It's, right? it's an option. That's literally the only thing. Yeah, I'd rather see Elliot in the front three than Divock Origi, the minute yeah, you know, than Ox. I'd rather that happen. I'd rather have Elliot in the front three and Ox in midfield. So, so who? So, how do you do it? That's the that's kind of the main thing. So, I'm kind of racking my brain to try and think how I would do it, and I. It's not. It's not well, very. I don't think it's straightforward. But it's it's not because Elliot doesn't play in the front three at the moment. Yeah. Like he doesn't start over them. He doesn't start any over any of the four of them. So, we're literally that. This situation is if another one of them gets injured or Afcon. 
Yeah. Which oh, you know, is, is yeah. looming in about the, four. The only thing time. I think about Afcon is is that um, I mean this is the most like optimistic thinking in the world. But you know how we we, we like a sign in right at the start of a window. Uh, maybe maybe we bring in a forward at the start of January. Yeah, uh, no one else. It'd be, it'd be as mad as that, and he'd be off as well. Yeah, yeah, that would be that would be the, oh god, that would be the icing on the cake, wouldn't it? That really would be like a a, a, a FSG kind of move. Like I've brought him in as, as reinforcement, but he's also good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I mean, as a lot of people bought up, yeah, we're searching for a goal in the last ten minutes, and you bring Costa Simicas on. As we say said before, I, I'd have been fuming if I was him to not start this game. And the, the first thing I immediately saw him do was literally hug the left, which is what Robbo wasn't doing. Yeah. Like he, he was just cutting inside and being too central a lot. And another thing I picked up on as well was Trent was doing the same, especially in the first half. He was very, very central. Um, again, it didn't work. So, um, obviously, Liverpool end up drawing you know, seven points out of nine, I think, we'd have taken. Um at the start of the season but obviously knowing how the Chelsea game went and how you know we, we really probably should have ended up winning I think we can be a tad disappointed but obviously not like throw the toys out the pram storm yeah. the ground get the owners out type of thing yeah I, I mean in terms of the game like I uh if you'd have probably probably offered me a one-one before the game, or I'd say probably not before the game, but before the season, if you went, oh, we're getting seven points out of them first three games, the draws coming against Chelsea, I'd be like, oh yeah, fair enough, like fine. But but because it's that it's that whole thing about them getting a sending off. But I do think, like I said, I think that that played into their hands. Where like as soon as they got that sending off, I did kind of think, oh well, they're just gonna unless we get they make a mistake, we're not really gonna penetrate them. Um, but. Yeah, it, it's just one of them things where it's like now you're going to the international break. We're in that mix of teams that have all got seven points. Spurs have got nine. And with the teams that are in the round there, they've all strengthened a lot and we haven't. Uh, you know, you've got the the United buzz of Ronaldo coming back uh, and his first game is against Newcastle. So I would say, if anything, get him in your fantasy football team and get him a, get him triple captain for triple that game. Because he's coming back for a hat wreck against them because they're absolutely bloody hopeless. Um, so, so they've obviously strengthened. Like they've got uh, that thing about how Chelsea have signed Lukaku and everyone's raving about them, and then Ronaldo scored more goals than them last season in Serie A is like just depressing to think about. Like the two teams around us, uh, the one that finished above us and the one that finished uh, below us, have both bought the two top uh, forwards in Serie A. And we're still stuck with Divock Origi on our, not even on our bench. You can't even make the bench. Yeah, but it's mad, isn't it? We we might as well move on to yeah all this bollocks. But uh, prepare to be here for an hour. I'm just being granted <laughs> that because right. I, I'd like to start by premising. I've I've been a Liverpool fan since I was seven, since six seven years of age. So yeah. I, I lived through Hicks and Gillette. So I'm happy. FSC, I'm forever grateful for them coming in, even though it was a business business investment at the time. And yeah, it has worked out quite well. Didn't didn't do yeah. it for me. They did it for them. But and it's paid object- off as well. They paid it's paid off big time. <laughs> it, it's objectively it was for them. It weren't for me, but it saved Liverpool Football Club. So you know we we owe them a certain level of gratitude. So for those who say, "Oh, it's not FIFA and whatnot," I was like, "No, I." I I'm pretty entitled to to be talking about this. Like, 
the squad for me is objectively worse than it was four months ago. Yeah. Because Gene Man Adams left on a free and Jane Shakiri's left. And exactly. as much as I mean, Shaq wasn't a massive option for Liverpool, at least he was an option. At least it was another player we could use. We have not replaced Gino Alden. We've replaced Dayan Lovren from last summer. And that's no disrespect to Iber Kanate because I think he's going to be a really good player. Yeah. We spent £36 million on a fourth between centre-half. And there were other areas of the squad that could have been like strengthened. You've mm-hmm. got Nat Phillips signing a deal yesterday, which I thought the club took the piss out, piss out of the fans doing. Yeah. Um, yeah. That that that's the big big thing for me that rubs me the wrong way was using Liverpool's captain for some positive PR. And it backfired massively on them as well. Uh, they thought I don't. It's one of them where it's like, do you think it? It's very it's very strange to think they don't know what they're doing. They definitely know what they're doing. It's I, I think it's pretty naive to think like oh. They announcing that because everyone was uh, so livid when the rumours came out that he might leave. They've literally thought, oh, well, we'll do this on deadline day and it'll be a positive thing. Whereas it was always going to be a negative thing. And that's, I think, and I, I think that's where the misunderstanding between FSG and the fans is like summed up, really. they Everything they do, they f- see it as like, oh, yeah, we're doing this. This is a, this is a good thing. This is a good, oh, we'll sign all the players. Um, but the one person that really, really needed a contract extension in Salah, we'll sign all them for contract extensions, and that'll be enough, like how it is in the NBA. Uh, and then, um, and it just backfired. Like, the, I just don't think they get it. I think that's what it comes down to, really. I don't think they're malicious. I don't think they're trying to ruin the club. Cause I, I, I honestly don't. Um, I just think they're, they're just, they don't, under, I don't think they understand. I, I think that that's how, it, and it's ridiculous to think that they've come into a club that they bought for just over 300 million and have now changed to 3 billion. Uh, I think it's a rough, like, estimate of how much the club's worth. And I still don't think they get it. And it's, it's, it's pretty, it is frustrating. It really, it really is. And I think, I mean, I don't know if I have been over the top on Twitter or not. And um, I think you do get people who, who are over the top. Uh, and I, I think you get people who are the other side who don't give enough criticism and are sort of accepting mediocrity that like this notion of that, um, that people are um, like spoiled and uh, are throwing their toys out the pram because we're not getting signings. Um, it, it really it baffles me because it's as if like, fo- like what do you mean by that? Because signings have always been a massive part of football. We've always made signings when we were on top. We made signings in the eighties when when we were trying to just try to build a better team. When we were shite under under Hodgson, we signed a load of players. I remember one season that that season we brought Donny and Downing and. And, and, every, and yeah, and every everyone in like there was a, we brought in a lot of players. Like that's not what people are asking for. We're also not asking for an Mbappe type sign. As much as people joke about it on Twitter, and I mean, I know I was only really joking about it. I never really thought he would ever come. Um, but 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 that's the kind of player that we should be in for. Um, yeah, that, that's football club. We should be in for them. But that's not what we're asking for here. All we want is not to have to see David Garigi come on in the 80th minute and provide nothing. That's all we want. Just someone like, and it's not as if you look at um, other teams around us that, that aren't doing it, and, and also teams below us. Like, um, I know Crystal Palace have been screaming out for a striker for ages now. They're still kind of relying on Ben Teke, but they went to Celtic and bought uh, Edward from them, and and uh, fifteen million 
take a punt on him. That's nothing these days. We we made that money from from Harry Wilson. Take a punt on him. So it's not Origi coming off the bench. We're bringing someone else off the bench. You offer something a little bit different. And now I, I guess people could accuse me of saying, "Oh, you just try to sign someone for the sake of it." Then, but it's not. It's trying different things. That in the end of the day, if if it doesn't work out, we get fifteen million for him next season. And then you look at Sanchez going to Wolves on loan. Like, how can people say that? Oh, all these midfielders cost too much. Well, there's no there's no risk there. Bring him in, and then if it doesn't work out, don't buy him like we did with Kabak. Kabak kind of worked, and we didn't even buy him. So why is this any different? No, I, I I totally agree with it. Like, I've never been. The only time I've fully been FSG out was the Super League, and I think everyone course, was yeah. as, as well. I think that was everyone in the same boat. I've always been FSG do better, but I am very very close to to siding with the outers because I I said this last summer, and I've said it for, I said it since the summer of 2019. Where we were champions of Europe, had the biggest, had the pull and power to sign literally anyone on the face of the planet, and we go and sign Harvey Elliott, which could turn out to be a very good uh, bit of business, um, Adrian and Andy Lonergan, and yet we won the league the year after. But the situation we're in now is a result of that summer. So, I, I just don't yeah. get it. And I'll um, I'll go back to something I was saying on Twitter earlier as well, um, and I think it's a it's kind of playing devil's advocate. It's like, accept, okay, if we're, if we're going to accept FSG's way of doing things, if we're going to be a buy to sell club, which is not the way we should be run, by the way, it's not. I don't care what anyone says, that's not the way Liverpool Football Club should run. I'm also not saying that we should be like the Glazers and United and take out massive loans to sign players or anything like that either. But we, should, we shouldn't we should be a sell to buy club because when you when you do that, you basically become, you become a club like Newcastle where... They buy players like, take Johan Kabay, for instance. He was their best player. He then sold them. He sold them on to PSG because, and Ben Arthur was the same, so that they could uh, they could fund other transfers and, and build a better squad. But we're Liverpool Football Club. We shouldn't be getting our best player and then selling, selling them. But what I was saying on on Twitter earlier is, if we become a sell to buy a club, then we've already missed the window to sell Mane and Firmino. So now, now what happens? What happens when Salah, Van Dijk... Man and Firmino are already basically at that stage now. Um, Henderson, when his contract comes up, we let Genie's contract run out. We're not actually selling to buy anyone. So, so what? So when? When is this? Like, what, what are we doing? The, because the we, if we're sell, is the thing. yeah, exactly. If we're if we're gonna sell, if we should have been um, selling players to buy, then we should have sold Manny this summer, and we should have brought someone else in. So, because his value is only gonna only gonna plummet from here because he's like. Be a bit cutthroat. He's he's been pretty poor um, in terms of putting him on the market and putting him on the window. I I wouldn't be, I would I don't think there'll be a queue of clubs lining up um, lining up for his signature uh, unless it was at a cut price. And we know what we're like with holding firm on prices. We wanted the same price for Origi for three summers, and no one's no one's bought into it. Um, and I think we're also like the sort of victims of our own success in the past, like. We got stupid money for Jordan Ibe. We got stupid money for Dominic Solanke and players like that. And now uh, all these teams lower down the league can see, like, oh, those transfers didn't work. So why would we now take a punt on another one of your players for stupid money, for more than what we want to pay for them, for then for when something like that could happen? I think teams are a lot more um, cautious of that these days and are a lot more sort of... Um, savvy to it. Savvy to it, yeah. It's not a big club sort of ripping off a, a smaller club anymore, which is basically what we did to Bournemouth. So now it's it's kind of, we've kind of hit a stage where we can't really sell our top players because one that'll ruin the squad 
Um, but two, they're, they're getting to that age where you can't really sell them for for all that that much, really. So it looks like Mane possibly might leave once his contract's up. Same with Firmino, maybe. Like, and then we're not making any money on our biggest players. So then, how if we're a sell to buy club, are we going to afford to replace them? Now, no. like anyone who's who's on FSG signed says that's an acceptable way to run a football club of the stature of Liverpool Football Club. Please inform me how how we're then going to stay competing at the top and not drop down to finishing seventh and sixth again and playing in the Europa Conference League when we're not actually selling the players to buy if that's the way we're going to be run, which we shouldn't be. But if it is, how? Because yeah, I don't that, get it. That that's a, that's the thing. You cannot be a sell to buy sell to buy club and be consistently at the top. Liverpool have been at the top for we were at the top for two seasons. We're now hopefully we'll we'll, we're we're still comfortably in the the top four, comfortably in the top four. But we're we're not at the top where we should be. But you end up taking that for granted as well because look at Arsenal. Like Arsenal was were that team where no matter what they did, they finished fourth. We could easily turn into that team, and yeah, that'll work for the next six years or something. If you just give us fourth every season, we win an FA Cup or whatever, that that'll be fine. But then what happens after that? What happens when Salah leaves? What happens when Virgil leaves? You've got and when Klopp leaves, more importantly, we've got to get someone else in. Whether it be Gerard, which personally I, it wouldn't be my choice. I mean, like we need another top top manager from from Europe. Personally, um, I think it's too much emotions tied, Gerald. But that's a conversation for an entire, like a, a completely different day. But but when Klopp leaves, there's going to be a dip. It happens with every single team. To think that there won't be is being very naive. And you add the aging squad and players are leaving, like kind like what happened when Fergie left United. He left them with a with an old squad, and they plummeted, and they haven't done anything since. And that'll be us again. And when we'll fall into another. 25, 30 years before we win another title and I'm sick of it and I don't want it to happen and that's why I get so annoyed about it and then so if anyone wants to say that uh, people who are saying FSG out aren't true Liverpool fans or anything like that or we're not passionate or we don't know the club or anything it's bollocks, it's the opposite of that it's the fact we care so much, we don't want to go back to mediocrity and if you want to accept that then that's fine. But personally, I think FSG need to make the, uh, get the rebuild. They've uh, rebuilt the stage and finished. They've kept the, uh, their assets secure for the next few years. And once that time comes, sell the club to someone else who can take and keep the club at the next level. Yeah, as we said, obviously we were both in the, in the Twitter space on whatever Last Tuesday night, night, yeah, Tuesday night yeah. it was. Yeah. And that was largely the moral dilemma, is that if FSG do leave, which I... I Personally, I'm adamant they will be in 2023. Yeah. Your theory was good. Like, but, if you could, I think you if on on paper, if, if you went in the space and you've made it this far, fair play. <laughs> my, my my thing is the Annie Road construction will be finished in 2023. Every single top talent who clearly FSG and Jurgen Klopp think are important to the long running success of Liverpool are tied down to contracts. Way after that, 2025 is the earliest, I think, with Jordan, with Jordan Henderson. Yeah. It makes sense for them to sell in 2023 after they've continued their construction of Anfield, which is a very, very good thing. Let's just get that straight away. Yeah, it's a very good thing. More tickets equals more revenue, which I'm um, talking business-wise here, but <laughs> and it, it opens up the door for more people to go to the game. But... Just great for me. If it's not FSG, corporate though, like yeah, that's the thing. <laughs> FSG needs to look at it at that point. So is there any more we can do for this club 
that is beneficial for both us and them. And if there is not, they need to sell the club. And you get a new owner in, you know, this this is the thing. You're not going to get a football club, club owner who is perfect. There is a lot no, of money of in football and money corrupts people. You 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 might end up some, with someone like um, cities, like PSGs, who, you know, allegedly have a really odd background to them. Um, but that's the risk. Liverpool fans, especially Liverpool fans from, from the city of Liverpool, have got to weigh up what they want in terms of mor- their morality and their football team success because it cannot be in favour of one. The, the way I look at it as well, um, and a, a big factor that, that I want, if, we, if they were to sell, and this is what I want from the next owners, I want them to care. I really want them to care. You look at Leicester, and obviously the tragic tragedy that happened with their uh, with their owners, the, uh, the helicopter crash and all that. But like, it, it's his son that that's there now, and he's there all the time, and he loves the. You can tell he has an absolute passion for running that football club, and he loves it. And, and like, you, it's a, it's slightly different with City, but you can tell that they care, that they want uh, they want City to stay at the top. They want them to do that. Now you look at the Glazers, and it's kind of the opposite. It's more like what we've got. I want someone who. who cares about the football club i want someone who's we get to a champions league final they're going to be there they're going to be in amongst the, i want them to be integrated with the club i want i want to see that thing like with cast this might be asking a bit too much and it's nitpicky really but i just want to see someone who actually knows what they're doing likes football for a size john henry knows nothing about football he knows nothing about football we can Starker, ourselves. Man. yeah it's exactly like it's oh god like he's he's brilliant at pr though like that video <laughs> aside no way that video aside if you watch um those documentaries from uh, like the end of last season and stuff. Uh, the, sorry, the, the season when we won it, and it, it was on like BBC and things like that. And he had an interview for it, and he like sort of came across and he was like all happy. And I was kind of like, oh yeah, he kind of gets it, but he just doesn't like. He just it's shallow. It's like he's been told what to say, and like. It, but it, I mean, we're saying he's not good at PR. But how many people bought that Super League apology? I don't think we really did, but in the general, the grand scheme of things, I'd say honestly about seventy-five percent of people on Twitter are like, "Oh yeah, fair enough." It, it, it like, it, it's, it's, it's sorry. So let's move on. Like, I think, I think a lot of people forgot about that far too quickly. By the way, that, that's that what I'm saying. But we're joking. We're, we're saying like, "Oh no, they're terrible at PR and stuff like that." Like people just brush everything under the rug straight away, and he's he's back to being like. Uh, like f- fine again, and and I mean uh, you can. There's calls for like people saying like, oh, it's scapegoat and FSG. What if Klopp didn't want players? And my my view on that is it, it's That's bollocks, Klopp, right? It's bollocks. Klopp, There's no way a man who knows that much about football and who knows uh, who is honestly one of the best managers in the history of football um, at doing what he does and taking teams that are like there and they're like kind of there and in and thereabouts, but then taking them to the next level, like he did with Dortmund, he done it, he's done it with us. Um, and it, it, there's no way a man of that stature goes on. Oh, no, I don't want anyone who's going to help me help this squad. I just don't believe it. Yeah. Like it's a whole thing where people are like, Oh yeah, he said he, the, the thing with Ox and things like that. He says that I think because he, he knows that we know that that's ridiculous and that it's not the case. As much as I'm sure he loves Ox, like he knows what he's saying is a, isn't exactly fully true. But it's the same thing. What he said, he's always going to stick by his players and make and try and get their confidence up and things like that. Like that, Danny Ward. It was that whole thing. Oh, Danny Ward's going to fight for number one place. Oh, two minutes later, Allison's through the door. Like uh, we, it's it's bollocks. It's for show. It's so he like 
It's be, I honestly think it's because he knows that we know that it's he doesn't actually think that, and it's kind of just like a the thing where it's like, yeah, this is how bad it is. This is what I'm having to say to to kind of justify it because I. They're not coming out. Oh God, man! <laughs> I'm getting a bit. I'm getting lightheaded from going. So going. Nah, but I, I, I totally get it, and I. This will never ever come out, but I am really wondering what Klopp is like backstage with them. Yeah. Either he's got because I don't see him being the ruthless Mourinho type with the owners. Nah, I don't think that either, right? But but you know the the way I like I kind of see it playing out is you know when you have a conversation with someone in a pub or like one of your mates who doesn't really like football yeah. but kind of like pretends to like football and pretends to know what they're talking about when they really don't and they say stupid things like you kind of just like oh yeah yeah, and you just kind of know that they don't know what they're talking about. I feel like that's the way the conversations go. He's like, oh, like, uh, great goal by Mo at the weekend. Yeah, like, <laughs> kind of like, yeah, it was. Just like, oh, it's like cringe to listen to people who don't, like, know a lot about football. I'm not gatekeeping or anything here, but, like, it's 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 no, painful sometimes. Right. Like, it's cringy. And I feel like that's probably how it goes. Um, but, yeah, but ah. from the next owners, because... As I say, I don't think Liverpool are too far away from having new owners. I I want to see them be able to evolve with the times. Yeah. Because FSG, as much as I say, as much as they've done well for the club, they struck gold with Jurgen Klopp is what they did. But they are still running Liverpool Football Club like they are the club that they bought ten years ago. We are so far away from that club that they first bought. It's beyond belief. We are now at a stage where we could have and could still compete at the top level of European football for years to come. Yeah. Like 10 years ago, that was a fucking pipe dream. I, <laughs> yeah. in, in, 20, in 2013, 2012, I would have never dreamt of seeing Liverpool get into the Champions League, let alone fucking yeah. win the thing. I, I remember um, when we that after 13, 14, when we nearly won the league, and we got into the Champions League that season. I remember going to the uh, the club shop and buying the away kit. It was the yellow away kit. Um, and I got Sturridge yeah. 15 on the back. And I purposely paid the extra money. I was like, wasn't that old at the time, so it was a lot of money to spend on it at the time. But I was like, I'm getting the Champions League patches on it because I would be able to do this next season. <laughs> yeah. So I know we're not well, going to be in the Champions League. That's exactly the thing. Like, like four I, years later, we won the thing. <laughs> yeah, like, like I, I went to them games. I, I went to all three of the group games that year oh, in the Champions God. League. And it was like, Ludogrets and Basel was like, I, wa- I want to go just because it's the Champions League. And of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. Real Madrid the, the, was the game. I was like, oh my God, I, I don't think I'll ever see, get to see Liverpool play Real Madrid. So I, I, I have to go. And we got yeah, smoked 3 0. Yeah. But it was like, first half as well, wasn't it? And it was like, four years later, three years later, we play them in the final. In the final, yeah. And it's like, how how quickly things can change. And when... probably would have beat them if it wasn't for Salah's injury as yeah. well. We, we we could have easily won or the game. Or Carius. <laughs> like, yeah, don't mention he's still in the books, by the way. He's that's still... like, that's <laughs> yeah. the that, don't even start me on that. Yeah. But it's like because FSG they were they were they were driven and they wanted it. Football isn't a once and stop thing. You don't win one thing and then stop. That is not yeah. how football works. That's not how the story it's, of football works. We're we're doing this. Uh, these contract signs feel like the last dance. Like we're okay. We've got we've got Henderson. We've got Van Dijk and that for a couple more seasons. Like I, I hopefully we win as much as the Bulls did in those like in free season when they won a free peep. But it feels like that kind of thing where it's like oh we're gearing up for 
for Phil Jackson to leave when Klopp like, and then that'll be it. We'll be doing shit for the next thirty years. <laughs> like, it, 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 it's what I mean about why I keep comparing it to American like sports and things like that. Like teams live off that success for like so long in America, and yeah, like they get annoyed and stuff. But like the Bulls are still living off that that success the same way we were kind of living off that of Istanbul for all them years because it's the only thing we had to talk about and now we're back and we've got we've got more things to talk about I don't want that to stop and I feel like the way the club's being run that that is going to stop and we're going to have to talk about the league title that we never got to celebrate for forever and that'll be the thing like it'll be like oh yeah we, well we won the league then it's like yeah but you didn't get you didn't really though there was no fans and you didn't get to celebrate so it's like yeah the team won the league but the, we didn't win the league like we didn't get to celebrate that we didn't get to go out and party really like you could and it was frowned upon and people did and stuff like that but we never got there <laughs> I had a as, a, great time. as a club yeah i'm sure you did but like as a as a fan base as a, like like what happened to the champions league it would have been more mental like, i know it would have been and I didn't get the chance to do that. It feels hollow for me. If anything, I look back on that that win of the league title, and it it's it's tough to say. I think it pains me more than anything because we didn't get that. It wasn't like it doesn't feel real because we never got to actually experience it because of fucking COVID and everything what happened. And we had the taste there from the Champions League the year before, but that was the thing we wanted to win. Everyone wanted us to win the league title, and when it happened, and we could and me personally, I couldn't go and go and celebrate. I know like everyone did, but. It still it would have been better if we could. We didn't get the parade. That was the thing. Like we didn't get to parade that tra- that uh, trophy, and we need that again. And if if we keep running, the, if the club stays uh, being run this way, when unless we win it either this season or next season, we're not going to win it for a long time again. Unless we strengthen next summer now because it's a big lot time. Hard I, now strengthen big time, like saying like four players for a new spine of the team, pretty much is what we're going to need. Um, Nah, I think we're going to be waiting a long time again. Yeah, the, the impression uh, I get from the top of the club is they've won it now, so that's it. That's it, yeah. It, that's it's it, a I terrifying agree. thought because, yeah. mate, the feeling I got when Liverpool won the league was like, it, it was indescribable. And you, you always remember your first, but you won it again. You yeah, you won it again. Hungry. Yeah. want to be hungry. And that's why... As much as we fucking despise them, City owners are brilliant for it. You can question how they do it. You can question where you get the money from, but at least they strengthen the t- the club. 100 million on, on Jack Grealish. And, and, yeah, and, and people can say that, um, oh, they only signed Jack Grealish this summer. And yeah, okay, like they overpay for him stuff. But they didn't just try and sign Jack Grealish. They tried, they, they, they signed they him. tried to sign, yeah. But they signed him, but they didn't just, like, that wasn't the only thing they tried for. They tried for Ronaldo, they tried for Kane. Yeah, they didn't come off, but they're actively looking to improve the squad. And they thought, right, under Pep, we'll be fine until, say, January, and they'll go back in for Kane again, or they'll they'll go look for someone else. Then if not, it'll be next summer. They were looking for those players, and that's the difference. Yeah, if they didn't sign them, but they're still looking for them. We don't look for anyone. We've been linked with no one this summer. And the players we were linked with... Jared Bowen possibly would have been like a good option. Harvey Barnes I like as well. But other than that, like they're still just like not they're not top names. They're not massive caliber players, which the, the likes that we should be looking for. We Again, but it's they're the type of players Liverpool would have signed five years ago. Yeah, exactly. Prior yeah. to prior to Everton's success, 
I don't care what you say. Liverpool should have been in for killing Mbappe this summer, and this is not even me taking the piss. Even if we didn't get him, they show the intent that that we that we were openly there and that we were competing. And if he doesn't come and they want to not they want to turn down 150 million, then that's not our fault. But as owners, you should be like, yeah, we tried and it didn't come off. But I'd be I'd be I would not have a problem with that if we had the same window this this window and we tried actively all summer to sign Kylian Mbappe and it didn't come off. Yeah, I'll be gutted that he didn't sign, but there's no way I could criticize FSG because they've gone to the biggest talent in world football but the fact that they didn't and they stood still and they acted we went and been fucking like naive about it and complacent about it and, and basically just cocky about it and thought now nah, we, we don't need anyone we, we were fine we got into a Champions League last season with practically reserves on the pitch so we don't need anyone else we've brought Harvey Elliott come from Blackburn we don't need anyone it's it's complacency and it's really really frustrating yeah the, the thing for me is if Liverpool were involved with a with Real Madrid, with a, through a bidding war with Kylian Mbappe, and Mbappe chooses to go to Real Madrid, that's when you go, fair play, I call him a wanker, I know he does shit at Madrid yeah. for not coming to us, but it's like, we have now, we have let four, three or four teams catch up with Liverpool. Yeah. We were far and away the best team a season ago. It was a season ago. Yeah. It's not even too far removed from Liverpool getting 99 points in the league. And yeah, you can still this. You can say this is the same team. It's really not because Sadio Mane is the shadow of his of, yeah. of his self. He was that year. Firmino is the same. Yeah, you've had a Jota, you've had a Thiago, which is yeah, absolutely yeah. fair enough. Good players, yeah. but you've Even lost Thiago and Alderman. I think like like they've caught up, right? Like teams have caught up, and but there's still there's nothing stopping us going on a on a huge run. This season and it being there and thereabouts and possibly even nicking it and winning it, right? Which obviously would be absolutely fantastic, right? But but then it, it that's not really that's not the issue I have at the moment. I still think we can compete this season. We can probably still compete next season, but that's not that's not the point that I'm trying to get across to people. The point I'm trying to get across is you need to evolve a team over many years. You can't just wait until it completely falls apart and just and rebuild it all in one transfer window. You need to do it gradually. And like Thiago, great signing. But he's not a long-term signing, which is fine. I like those kind of signings coming in. But then we got Jota as well. We should be making those type of signings every single summer, if not every single window, and constantly evolving the squad and bringing in new faces, bringing in new people who can add different things to a squad that aren't already there. And we haven't. We've gone, this is what we've got. This is what we can do. We're going to stick with it until it completely blows up in my face. And then we're going to be completely fucked again. Uh, it's just like... How people can't see this. This is what annoys me. And people are like totally fine. Like, oh, just enjoy it whilst it's here. No, that's no. not the attitude to have. That's not the attitude. We I want going, to enjoy it in 20 years' time. I, I want to enjoy it for the next 10 years, not just for the next two years and I have to suffer for eight years after that. Why would you possibly want that? Like, uh, the, the, the thing for me, we'll, we'll, we'll wrap up soon because this has gone yeah, of course. quite long. But F, F, the thing for FSG is they are still not acting like Liverpool are a big club. Yeah. Like, I'm only using this name as an example because I think it's someone we could use. Joshua Kimmich from Bayern. Yeah. Play right back and play centre midfield. For example, why didn't we try and sign him? Granted, we wouldn't want to leave Bayern. But yeah. Leon Goretzka, same type of player. We Liverpool should be in for ne- not just big names, but big players who could actively improve the team. So, Sol was the one for me. He's gone to fucking Chelsea on loan. 
like, why were we not all over that? I'm, I'm, we've been linked with him, so surely the name is there. Why did we not pull the trigger on that? That's all I want to know. If we were actually actively looking at him, and why have we let him go to Chelsea, if anything? Do that thing where, like, just sign him so he doesn't go and improve their squad after Saturday. Like, it would be used if he's such a... It's a kind of, like, I know he's not a direct Ronaldo... Uh, Ronaldo? Uh, Wijnaldum <laughs> replacement. Christ. Um, he's not a direct Wijnaldum replacement. It's not, they're not, like, the same type of player. But it, it gives you something else. And it, it replaces a body in terms of... And it replaces games that uh, Wijnaldum played every single one of them last season. So we kind of needed to replace some of them games. And we haven't we haven't done it. So why let him go to Chelsea? You know his quality. You know that he, that he would add something to the squad. So why have you let him go there on loan? Just to improve their other many many talents that they've already got, and that they've also signed this season. It's just it it begs belief. I don't understand what the what on earth we're playing at. But yeah, like you say, we should probably wrap, wrap yeah, it up. That, I'll, I'll finish. I'll finish, with, I'll finish it with this. Like. Liverpool can still have a very good season this season. Liverpool yeah. can probably still win the league this season. Yeah. But there are a hell of a lot of, a lot of ifs to that. It's yeah. if we stay fit. It's if Mane improves. It's if Jota can be the starting or Firmino comes off the bench and does well. It's, it's if all teams ifs. don't... Uh, their players that they've signed don't settle in. It's, it's if other teams fall more frequently than they did last season. It's if... Like... There's too much that can go wrong this season for me to confidently say Liverpool can win the league. Yeah. It, Last it, season, it, I if. thought we would, again. Um, and even by Christmas, I still thought we, we would walk the league. Um, then that blew up. So it, it's not impossible. Like Anything can happen. But that was such a freak thing that happened to us last season. I can't say it happening to anyone else because we're not that lucky. And now, uh, for the past few seasons, all we've had to worry about is Man, Man City. We weren't scared of anyone else. We weren't worried about it. Now we've got to worry about Manchester United and Chelsea, and now it's a proper top four again. And then you you add sort of Spurs, Leicester, West Ham to that as well. Who, who I mean, Spurs are top of the league right now. <laughs> and, and, like, and they managed to get, keep Kane. Yeah, and they managed to keep Kane for one last hurrah. And then uh, you, West Ham have just are solid, and they've made good signings. And I, I hear all I was saying towards the end of last season, I can't wait for them to blow up next season. That they're, they're not, they've, they've been solid. Maybe the them playing in Europe might might help them drop a few more points. But why am I scared of West Ham now? I shouldn't be in this position. Yeah. <laughs> like all like Leicester or anyone like that, we should be miles ahead of them, and we're we're just not anymore. We're in a group of like four plus another three Two that three. could upset us. Yeah, as you say, it's just. It's just going to be a long season, as it usually is, but hopefully yeah. they'll um, pull it out of the bag. And I say, if a lot of them, if come off, yeah. we, we, we very much can still win the league. Uh, yeah, I think that'll wrap it up. That was very cathartic. I enjoyed that. I feel a lot more light yeah, to myself yeah. after that. Uh, yeah, so nice one for uh, joining us, lasting this yes. long, if you did. <laughs> um, we'll be back next week, with obviously, international break, and I can't be asked talking about international games after the summer. Um <laughs> Obviously, Liverpool play Leeds away. Uh, I think it's a week, week Sunday. It's on Sunday, yeah. Yeah, a week, week Sunday. So yeah, we'll have a podcast out next week previewing that, which could prove to be an absolute twat of a game as proven yeah. by the end result of the week. So yeah, nice one for joining us, and see you next week. Till now. Bye.